Right, so this morning we are continuing our sermon series on the book of Acts. Um, and right now we're in chapter 14, verses 8 to 18. So the title of my message today is Treasure in Jars of Clay. And for those of you who are familiar with this phrase, you realize that it comes from Second Corinthians and it's not actually from the book of Acts, but I'll explain why I um, picked this title later on. So today's story is actually pretty short. There's only maybe like seven or eight verses in this story. And it's a pretty straightforward story. It's very simple. There's nothing complicated about what's happening. Um, Paul and Barnabas, they they see a man at Lystra who was crippled and he had never walked before since birth. So as this man was listening to Paul speaking, um, Paul suddenly looks at this man and commands that he walks. So what we see is that there's a miraculous healing that takes place um, in this story. And right after this happens, the crowds um, start together and they start speaking in a language that presumably Paul and Barnabas didn't really know. Um, it's more like a local language. And, but eventually Paul and Barnabas, they, they realized that they were this, that the people there were, st- were starting to worship them as Zeus and Hermes. And they start bringing like, all kinds of offerings to Paul and Barnabas. And when Paul and Barnabas realizes what's happening, they start to um, exclaim, they start to cry out and ask the people, like, why are you doing all these things? And to the extent that um, Paul and Barnabas even tore their clothes uh, because they're so shocked at what's happening. And then Paul and Barnabas tells them that this thing happened because of God who made the heavens and the earth. And yeah, but even then, even though Paul and Barnabas were trying to explain what happened, the, they couldn't really stop the people from worshipping them. Alright, before we go into um, the main points that I wanted to cover today, I just wanted to share a bit about some interesting details of the story. Um, for those of you who went through the foundations class that, um, that Lauren taught two, or two and three weeks ago, um, we, we, we talked a bit about like the books of the Bible, the different types of books that we see in the Bible, and how are they different, the different characters that are in there. And so it's, it's helpful to know some of these details because uh, it helps us to understand what was going on in those stories a lot better. So I just want to start by saying, um, talk a bit about cultural assumptions. Okay, sorry, uh, I, don't have, I don't have the clicker today, so I have to trouble you, Vanessa, to just help me click it. All right, so cultural assumptions, Zeus and Hermes. So these are two, uh, I believe, Greek gods that a lot of people knew at that time, okay? And the people of Lystra basically misunderstand what was happening, uh, why the healing take place because of their cultural assumptions. So one of the things that um, people understand is that in a nearby town called Phrygia, there's actually this myth about Zeus and Hermes. So what this myth um, involves basically is that in this myth, Zeus and Hermes visit this nearby town called Phrygia. And basically no one really 
welcomes them, welcomes Zeus and Hermes. Of course, they were like in a disguise, so no one really knew who they were, um, except one couple who responded in a very hospitable way towards them. So because they were not very welcomed by the people, um, the two gods basically destroyed everyone else in the flood. So this myth, this story, uh, basically struck fear in people around the region because they were like, okay, you know, if we treat the gods disrespectfully, we are going to be um, punished with divine punishment. And Zeus and Hermes were gods that were very important in that region and often they appear together in stories. So when the local people in Lystra saw that something miraculous had happened and this could not have happened without some kind of um, supernatural or divine power, they immediately assumed that, you know, this is probably Zeus and Hermes in some kind of human disguise and they need to start to worship them, okay? And that's why they, they misunderstood Paul and Barnabas for being um, Zeus and Hermes. And if you look, uh, I just want to point out one, one other detail. So in verse 17, when Paul explains what was, Paul tries to explain what was happening to um, the crowds, Paul said, Yet God did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Okay, so um, we might not think too much about this, okay, because it's basically saying something positive, something good about God, the blessings of God. But notice that in this um, city of Lystra, Paul talks about God giving rains from the heaven and fruitful seasons, all right? So, I mean, like, if you come to church today and I'm going to tell you, like, you know, we have a God that gives you rain and fruitful seasons, you're like, uh, what does that matter? You know, because like, okay, it will definitely rain at some point and there's always food. We can go out to the grocery store and get food. But um, what I read is that Lystra is more of like a rural region. So to these people who are in the rural regions, who most likely were planting crops and all that stuff, um, rains are important because they need water for their crops to grow. And of course, if they're growing crops, they will want to have a bountiful harvest. And that's why fruitful seasons are so important. All right, so I just want to point out some of this, um, like, nice little details so that hopefully that gives you a better um, understanding of the text. Okay, let's move on for um, move on to some of the more important stuff that I want to talk about today. All right, so in this part of the book of Acts, okay, and I, I didn't come up with this table, but um, I, I picked it from one of the commentaries, but if you go flip, you go look through your Bible, you, could, you can make the comparisons as well. All right, so in this part of the book of Acts, the story is starting to shift. Previously, we see a lot of um, stories about Peter and some of the other disciples. Um, but in Acts chapter 13 onwards, the story is starting to shift towards this other main character called Paul. And the story is also shifting from the gospel spreading among some of the Jews to the gospel spreading among the Gentiles. All right, and we see that um, the way the writer of the book of Acts, who is Luke, um, the way that he presents the stories involving Peter and Paul, there's a lot of similarities, okay? So I won't, I won't go through them like um, 
in detail, but if you ever flip, go back to the X chapter 3, which we have covered before, uh, I believe, last year, um, there's a similar healing that takes place. And this healing that Peter was involved in, when you compare it to what's happening today with Paul, there are a lot of similarities. All right? So we realize that the writers of the books of the Bible are very intentional writers. They're not just putting stuff in randomly. Um, neither are they like putting everything that they see inside. There's a certain order, there's a certain pattern to what they're writing. Um, those of us who are at the foundation, Foundations course, uh, remember that Acts is a book about church history. But it's not a history book where Luke puts everything that happens in the early church. It's not just a book about facts. But there's a certain pattern that Luke tries to put into his writing because he wants to bring across certain points. All right? And one of the patterns that you see in Acts is that healing accompanies the spreading of the good news of the kingdom of Jesus. In the book of Luke and the book of Acts, you see that there's a lot of emphasis on healing, casting out demons, um, people being set free. And that's an emphasis that Luke is very, very intentional about. All right? And this, there, there, is, there is really a, a purpose to this. Um, for example, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 28, Jesus says, but if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. All right. So um, we see across the Gospels, but especially in Luke and in Acts, that healing and people being set free is very connected to the spreading of the Gospel. And these things happen as a sign of God's kingdom coming. Okay, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, it says, And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a down payment. Okay, I put it there as down payment. Okay, so if you look in your Bible, some Bibles will say guarantee and then some will have like a footnote saying down payment. The idea of a down payment um, makes a lot more sense, okay? So if you... Uh, if you are ever at the stage of your life where you're buying some, you're making a big purchase, okay, maybe like an apartment or like a car, okay, um, one of the things that you realize you have to do is you have to put down a down payment. Could be like a certain percentage of like the whole apartment unit. And then afterwards, after you put down a down payment, then you start paying like your mortgage like every, every month, basically, something like that, all right? But the down payment is basically that guarantee that you are going to follow through follow through with this, okay? So for example, when I, when I bought my apartment back in Singapore, I had to put down a down payment of, I, I think it was about like 5%. So let, let's just come up with a random figure. Let's say the, the apartment costs like 400,000. So 5% would be like 20,000. So I put down the $20,000 and I commit to buying this apartment by paying my mortgage every month afterwards. And if I stop paying my mortgage, I don't get the down payment back. So it's a commitment that something is going to be, a, a kind of something is going to be completed eventually. So when the Spirit is given to us as a down payment, God is basically saying that He's starting a good work in us that He will eventually complete in all its fullness. But it does not mean that 
whatever that God is doing in your life is only going to come when Jesus comes back again or when you die and when you go to heaven. It's not just about what happens after we die. All right? Because when I make a down payment for my apartment or my car, I get to start using it. I get to start living in the place that I've made a down payment for. And likewise, when God puts a down payment of the Holy Spirit in our lives, He's basically saying that, you know, the Holy Spirit is going to start to do things in our lives and this, you're not going to just wait for heaven to come because heaven is already started here. All right? And that is why healing, um, people being set free is so important and so related to the good news because the good news of Jesus is powerful. The good news of Jesus is practical. All right? Imagine if, if someone needs help and they come to church and there's nothing much we can offer them except, you know, to like console them and, and things like that. That's not practical. I mean, you could encourage them. That's, that's helpful. But the gospel is so much more than that. All right? I I can explain it. <laughs> um, months ago, or maybe it was last year, I, I, I'm forgetting my dates, but ba- uh, I remember when we did the DNA series, uh, I did talk about healing. And I also did explain that, you know, God wants to heal, God wants to see people complete in their healing. Um, but there are times when we pray and we don't see people actually being healed. And my answer at that time and my answer today is still the same, that I don't know why. Uh, we would have to ask God about that, okay? But even in cases where, you know, for whatever reason, healing doesn't take place, and there are many examples of that, even um, people around me that I know, friends, family members who have experienced and are still experiencing um, serious illness and they don't get healed, even after many people have been praying for them, they don't get healed. Um, In those instances, we see that God gives people supernatural hope, supernatural joy, and the power to patiently endure whatever they're going through. That even in the worst circumstances, um, God is able to give us a peace, a joy, a hope that does not make sense because there might be nothing in our lives that would, would be reason for us to be joyful. There might be nothing in our lives that we can see that would give us hope or peace. But God gives that to us supernaturally. And that, that's what the church, that's what our community needs to be. Um, the good news must be powerful. The good news must be practical. The good news must change lives. All right, let's, um, let's move down to the next. Okay, treasure in jars of clay. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, um, there's, this, there's this verse that says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So when I read the story today, it immediately reminded me of this verse. 
because um, Paul and Barnabas, when they are trying to explain what happened with the crippled man to the crowds, they are basically saying this. It's not about us. It's about this God who has performed this healing. And this is a God who brings blessing to his people. And for, for those of us who are in, uh, in ministry or those of us who are Christians, this is a really good reminder that the blessings that we see, the, the favors of God that we see in our lives is not about us. And it's not about what we can achieve, but it's a reminder that um, this power belongs to God. Okay, so this uh, today I brought a brought a cup. I, I don't usually bring my own cup. Okay, so in case you're wondering, like, oh, I'm being like so comfortable here. <laughs> it's like my home. <laughs> um, I brought a cup uh, to just illustrate this point. This cup is very breakable. You know, if I like drop it now, most likely it's gonna break. Um, and this cup is is very difficult to wash. <laughs> So one of the things that I do every morning is I drink a cup of milk tea. I make my own milk tea um, and then I have to wash the cup. And recently I had to give this cup a very good scrub, very hard scrub. I, I was scrubbing it for like 10 minutes or something because um, over the past two years I've been drinking so much milk tea that it, the stains are starting to build up and it's really hard to get rid of. <laughs> so I decided that I should get rid of the stains. But, you know, this cup is essentially what this... Um, this metaphor in this verse is talking about that we are like a jar of clay that is so fragile, all right, um, that it could shatter at any time. Um, over time, the inside could get dirty, the outside could, get, could, could start looking like worn out and things like that. And at some, at some point, it's just, gonna, it's just gonna crumble because things don't last forever. Um, but what matters is not so much the cup, but what's inside. For those of you who, um, who were with us when we were at the previous church location, you realize that one of the things that you might realize is that when we moved over here, we started drinking a lot of coffee, okay? I'm not really a coffee person, but when we moved over to this new location, uh, Piero decided that it was a good idea to like, buy a coffee machine. So. <laughs> Uh, we had to start making coffee every week. <laughs> For those of us who make, make the coffee, that, could, that might not always be a good thing. But um, everyone enjoys coffee, okay? I'm not a coffee person. I'm more of a tea person. But the idea is that you, you, there's, uh, you enjoy this substance called coffee. Now, does it really matter like what cup you use to drink the coffee? Um, it could be a disposable cup. It might be your favorite mug from home. It might be like some kind of like tumbler or, or whatever you use, okay? Well, if you use some, if you use like a cup or some kind of container that you like, that might enhance your experience of drinking the coffee. But at the end of the day, you're not gonna say no to the coffee if, you know, all you have is a disposable cup. Because what matters is what you're drinking. So this verse is, essentially telling us this, that what is the substance, um, what is substantial is the substance that's inside that container. And that is the surpassing power of God. Um, you are not going to buy 
okay, you might, if you like the mug a lot, you might buy the mug, but you don't go to a coffee shop just to buy mugs. You would go there mainly for the coffee, all right? And when we, when we come to church, you know, if everything looks good, that's, that's great. But the substance of things is not what we have here, what we see, but the substance of things needs to be the surpassing power of God. Right? Because we, we were, we're pretty blessed to have this place. Everything looks really good. Um, but when we, when we, if we ever have a chance to go out to different parts of the world, um, I've been to villages where, where conditions are not as good, there's no air condition, um, I'm like, I'll be like sweating as I preach the message. And then after I'm done with the message, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm having a headache here. It's so, it's so hot. <laughs> Can we go back to the hotel, you know? Um, things are not as good. But that's not the point. Um, why do people still come to hear the good news, even if it's not in like an air-conditioned place? Because that's not what they're here for. They're here for the surpassing power of God. Okay, let's, let's move on. Sorry, I'm, I tend to take a long time preaching messages, so we need to move. First um, Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. So this is Paul, Paul telling the Corinthians. Paul says, And I, when I, come to you, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Okay, let's break down this verse, uh, this few verses. So verse 2 says, um, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So the good news is simple. It's all about Jesus. It's not about how good New City NYC is, not about we have the best coffee in the world kind of thing. It's not about um, what kind of programs that we have. Although those are great. Piero and Andrea, they do a great job at, at these things. But at the end of the day, we need to be able to say that this church is all about Jesus. Okay, let's move to the next one. Verse 3. I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. So this is Paul basically saying, you know, um, I am weak. Paul is saying that he's weak. And for those of you who um, were at Foundations class or we have heard this before, Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament. Many books in the New Testament are letters that Paul has written to different churches. This was a disciple of Jesus that is very important to us today and very important in the Bible. But he's basically saying that he's someone who's weak and he does some of these things in, in fear of God and in trembling. Okay, verse 4. And Paul says, My speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. So he's also saying that, you know, my message is not something that is, like, fantastic. It's not, it might not sound eloquent. It might not sound like um, it's very wise. It might not have, like, the latest cultural references. Um, honestly, I'm not, like, a person that keeps up with popular culture. So... 
you would see that I don't really have like a lot of cultural references in my messages. Um, and Paul is basically the same thing, but he's saying that my message is a demonstration of the spirit and power. And why is this so? Because the last verse tells us is so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. And it's the same thing. When we come to church, I, whoever's speaking up here, they might be very good preachers, but we need to remember that your faith is not dependent on how well I preach the message. Your faith must be dependent on Jesus Christ himself and the power of God. And it's great if, you know, the speaker is someone who's very eloquent, that, that's always good. Um, even the musicians, if, you know, we have someone who's very talented in music leading us in worship, that's always a good experience. But that's really not the point. The point is, is God working through these people? Um, I remember a story years ago when I was uh, back in Singapore. I had this friend, we, we, we're not really in contact for a while already, but I, we had this friend um, who was attending the same small group as us. Um, her name is Denise. So one day she decided that she wanted to come for a Saturday service at our church. Now, the, at that time, we had this Saturday service where... Um, the, the language kind of like changes from week to week. So one, one week it will be like English and then the other week it will be like Mandarin. Um, so, you know, like, and there's no interpretation. So if you come on a, on the, on a week where, where everything is in Mandarin and you don't speak Mandarin or you don't understand Mandarin, then um, I'm sorry you, that you made kind of like a wasted trip, okay? So one day Denise decides to come and it happened that that week was like a Mandarin speaker. We invited someone um, from outside the church to give the message. Um, and I mean, Denise, Denise didn't really know Mandarin. She was more like a, her primary language was English. I consider my, my Mandarin okay. I think above average among Singaporeans, but even that day, I, I really struggled to understand what the message was about because this was, uh, a native speaker of Mandarin who was using very, very complex Mandarin terms. All right, to, to preach a th- uh, message that had a lot of like theological terms in it. So I was like, okay, this is really difficult and I don't know like how much my friend really understands. Um, but when the speaker gave that invitation to receive Jesus as um, their Lord and Savior, Denise actually got up and said that she wanted to receive Jesus. So I was first of all really shocked, like, did you even understand what was going on? Um, and I spoke with her afterwards and I was like, Do you, did you understand what the message was about? Because like, it's in Mandarin and even I have like, difficulties understanding what it was about. And she said, no, not really, but uh, yeah, I knew it was about Jesus and I wanted to receive Jesus. Um, and I, 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 I would always remember this message as the idea that, you know, it's not really about the form of things, but it's about the substance that whatever form it might take, the, the message might take, God can move through that message if we are willing. All right, that God would somehow be able to speak to people that are listening to the message through you. That it's not really about you because you're not gonna be able to please everyone. All right, and if you, if you read down Acts chapter 14 to verse 
uh, 19, right? Basically, in verse 19, which we're not really covering today, um, suddenly things change. You know, one moment the crowds were worshipping Paul and Barnabas, the next moment they decide to stone, to, to kill, kill them. You see, there's no pleasing everyone, right? But what matters is God working through us. Um, next slide. Okay, click a few. Um, yeah. Okay, great. So, are you worshipping Jesus or men and women in church? Um, in John chapter 3, verse 30, John the Baptist says, He must increase, but I must decrease. Then uh, this, he's obviously referring to Jesus. Okay, Jesus must increase, but I must decrease. Now, the context of this verse is that a few verses before, the disciples of John come to John and tell him, Hey, John, look, um, Jesus is baptizing all these people and all of them are going to him, Jesus, basically. All right? And John is like, yeah, that's fine, you know, because it's all about Jesus. So if everyone starts to leave me and follow Jesus, that's a good thing because my role here is to point everyone to Jesus. And you know, nowadays, and in fact, not just nowadays, but for, for, for over the history of the church, there are many, there have been a lot of like popular churches, worship bands, leaders and preachers. Um, and we will, and I mean, especially now, like in the, in the age of social media, you know, like on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, YouTube, um, and you might have friends around you who always like tell you like, oh, I listen to this church, or I, I listen to this worship band and, and things like that. Um, and, and people would like follow, which is not a bad thing or a wrong thing because, you know, um, God speaks through these people, God ministers through these people. But we need to be careful. Are we following Jesus? Are we worshipping Jesus? Or are we worshipping these people that God are using? Because when something happens in the church, and there have been many scandals in the church over um, the course of history, people start to leave the church, or people start to say that I no longer, I'm no longer a Christian because they hear that some leader that they were following um, got into some kind of scandal, whether it's financial, whether it's sexual, and because of their hurt, because of the, the trust that was broken, they decide to leave the faith and no longer follow Jesus. Um, and my thought is, well, then are you following Jesus or were you actually following these men and women that God was using at that point in time? And even in the early church, if you read 1 Corinthians, you realize that there were also factions in the Corinthian church. Um, people were saying that, oh, I follow Paul, I follow this other leader, I follow this third other leader. And Paul is telling them, you know, that is not the point. The point is that we follow Jesus. Um, so let's go back to the verse, treasure in jars of clay. Now, the more resources we have, the easier it is for us to think that we can do everything or that everything depends on us. Okay, just think about it for a moment. Let's say you don't have a lot of resources. Let's say you have very limited finances. Um, let's say you don't really know a lot of people. 
then you want to make how you spend your money count, because it's not like you can just like throw money on on stuff like that. Okay, I remember when, when when Lara and I came to New York, we were on a very tight budget. Um, we were very careful about our spending. We didn't basically did not buy a single furniture except the the bed mattress. Okay, we didn't buy like a dining table. We didn't buy. A bed frame. We didn't buy any additional chairs.、Um, everything that we had, we got from someone,、uh, from someone that we knew. But we just did not buy anything. We didn't buy any sofa, so we were sitting on the floor for like, for like forever. We didn't have a TV,、um, and we were very careful with how we spend our money. More recently, things have become a lot more stable because I I graduated and I started working. So recently, I kind of like like okay, I guess we can start buying stuff. You know, still so I. So I bought like a sofa. I bought like two work desks.、Um, we got a TV like earlier in the year, and and things like that. But you can see that I don't know about you. That's at, at least that's for me. Your mentality changes once you realize that oh, I have so much more resources now, because then you're 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 like okay, I guess I can spend however I want. I can do whatever I want.、Um, And we need to be careful that that is not how we think in our lives and in the church, all right? Because there there are many resources that we might have. We this could even include like talent. Some of us might be musically talented. Some of us could be very intelligent.、Um, some of us might have might have very great social skills. Some of us might be very good in business skills. Whatever it might be, okay. Um, we might have a lot of money. We might have a very high status in society. We might have a lot of connections, but we must not start to believe that we can build the church of God just by our strategies. All right, strategy is important,、um, but the church of God is not built just based on our strategies. Um, it's not about how we advertise the church. It's not about the programs. We need to remember that it's not the jar of clay. It is the surpassing power of God that we need to depend on.、Um, and at the same time, today's story is actually actually a good reminder to us that、um, if it's not About this cup, if it's not about the jar of clay, it's about the surpassing power of God. Then it also means that all of us can be involved in the kingdom of God. Because it's not about me. It's not about the musicians. It's about whether you want to be involved, whether you want to receive the, that surpassing power of God. To expand God's kingdom, all right, and you realize that every person that comes up on to share the message has a different approach to the Bible. There is no one way that is like the way of sharing God's word. Okay, okay, I'm gonna close with this.、Um, with this final thought, is that a blessing? Yeah, great. Are you working for God, or are you working with God?
So John chapter fifteen verse fifteen says, "No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you." So there's a distinction. When we're working for someone, it's kind of like you're just doing a job. So imagine if you're working for like a big company and you are. You're not in management. Maybe you're like some employee.、Um, maybe you're in middle management. Who knows? But if you're just doing a job, all you're there to do is just to complete a task. You don't really know what's the vision of the company. You don't really know what's the long-term plan. You don't really know what the whoever is managing the company wants to do with that company. All you're there is, I'm just doing a job.、Um, and this same mentality. Could be a problem in our in our walk with God, in our relationship with God, and how we serve God in our ministries and in our church. Sometimes we're just doing things because we think that、um, that is the logical thing to do. That is what we need to do in church. I mean, it's true. If we come to church, there are there are different things that different people need to do. Like someone needs to play the keyboard. I'm not going to be able to play the keyboard. I don't know how to play the keyboard. <laughs> so someone has to do that. All right,、um, but what God really wants us to do is to work with Him, and this verse is telling us, you know, we're not servants. God is not just here to tell you, you do this, you do that. God wants you to know what is on His heart. God wants you to know what it is that He's doing in your life, what He's doing through your life, what He's doing in this church. God wants you to know the heart of the Father, and Jesus is basically saying, you know, if you're willing, if you want to, He makes all these things known to you.、Um, and I think this is so important because our church is very young.、Um, I don't remember how we <laughs> were like coming to two years. Yeah, we were like one plus years coming to two years、uh, since we started the first Sunday service in twenty twenty one, and of course there are a lot of like great plans, and it's just a reminder that in our DNA, one of the first words is spirit led. All right, okay, and I'm not saying it, I'm I'm just using this example. I'm not really saying anything specific. Okay. Um, some of you have heard that you know one of the things that we wanted, one of the vision that、um, Pierre and Andrea have is the the idea of a coffee shop or community center. Whatever whatever plans that we have, it's really important that we remember、um, to pray and seek the heart of God, because many things can make sense if you think of it logically as like a business model or like a strategy to. Impact the community. Something like a community center or a coffee shop makes sense, but we need to ask ourselves: Is that what God is doing with us at this point in time? Okay, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not making a statement about a coffee shop. Okay, I'm just using as an example. But you get the point, right? So, at the end of the day,、um, whatever that you are doing, wherever you are in your relationship with God. Uh, I just want to end. I just want to close today's message by telling us that what God really wants is to have that relationship with us. What God really wants is for us to know Him, and for Him to know us. And we're not 
slaves, we're not servants that are just doing whatever God tells us. There is a deeper relationship that's involved here. Alright, so... Honestly, if you look at every message, um, no matter how the message is presented, no matter which story we use, it always just points back to Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I feel like this, like at the end of the day, like whatever I shared, I feel like I've shared it like multiple times before because at the end of the day, it's about that relationship and encounter with Jesus. Okay, so let's, let's close with this. Father in heaven, we just thank you for today. Lord, we thank you that you desire to have a deeper relationship with us. That Lord, we are not, we're not employees, we're not servants, we're not just here to do a job and you're not some kind of dictator who's just telling us to do something. But Lord, you desire to have a relationship with us. So Father, I just pray that for everyone who's here today and those who are away this weekend, will you draw us closer to you, Lord? That we, were, we will start to know your heart for us, start to recognize your love for us, and start to see our relationship with you in a different light. And for those of us who might be hearing about you, Jesus, for the first time or um, who have not really known you as their Lord and Savior, Lord, will you speak to them as well that they will have an encounter with you and know who you are, Lord. And Father, we thank you that um, it's not about us. It's not about us. It's not about how we look. It's not about how we speak. It's not about what kind of talents or money or connections we have. But it's really about you, Lord, that your surpassing power is put in jars of clay. And we just cannot appreciate how precious that is, Lord. That you would put something so precious, your Holy Spirit, in us. In us who are so fragile, who are so broken and so weak. Lord, that you would put something, someone so precious, Lord, in us. And we just ask for more of you, Holy Spirit, in our lives today and over the week, that you will fill us with your surpassing power, Lord, so that we can bring your good news to the people around us, to the people that we meet, that they may know you as their Lord and Savior as well, Lord. So we thank you and all this we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.